BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Good Sunday morning and happy New Year's Eve. Welcome to this special edition of Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2. 2023's political winners and losers and a look ahead to a huge year in politics with the 2024 elections upcoming. On the right, John Hancock. Happy New Year. On the left, Michael Kelly. 2023 is almost over. <laughs> I'm Andy Banker. Here's the agenda. Our 2023 political winners and losers from St. Louis to Washington. We'll also crystal ball the big year ahead with the 2024 elections. And John and Michael make their New Year's resolutions, not for themselves, but for each other. Now, to get ready for today, John and Michael gave me a list of their political winners and losers for the year. Michael's big winner is also on John's list, but we're gonna give the tie to Michael. It is St. Louis Circuit Attorney Gabe Gore. Governor Mike Parson appointed him to the post over the summer after Kim Gardner stepped down from an office that had become mired in dysfunction under her watch. Why is Gabe Gore your political winner, Michael? Because it was actually, he was the biggest winner for the entire region, not only the city of St. Louis. Kim Gardner, after four or five years of failed failing to show up and do any aspect of her job, murderers being let loose, uh, people showing up in court with no prosecutors showing up, and, and then ha making this ridiculous argument that everybody was out to get her simply because uh, that she brought this new thought process and because of the color of her skin. Gabe Gore has come in immediately, shown up to do the job, has started to right the ship inside the city of St. Louis, which is helpful not only to the city of St. Louis, but the entire region. And this was a big win for the region and for all of us on all sides of the aisle as political pressure had to be applied on Kim Gardner from both the state level and the local level to make this happen. And Gabe Gore's there, thankfully now. You obviously like Michael's pick because Gore was on your list too. He was, and he was selected into that position by Governor Mike Parson, who is my list for the winner of the year. You know, Mike Parson, a little sheriff from Bolivar, Missouri, uh, ascends to the governor's office when Eric Greitens resigned. And I think a lot of people uh, underestimated what Mike Parsons was going to be. He navigated this state through COVID. I think he did a good job. Uh, Missouri's economy performed as well as any in the country through that disaster. And now we get to the end, and he's managed the legislature very well. There's a lot of different factions in the legislature on the Republican side. Mike Parson has done a good job navigating that world. He was a, he was a member of the legislature, and I think that helped. And here, as he enters his final year as governor, he's not running for re-election. Right. Uh, he's left a legacy in the state that includes being one of the most um, magnanimous governors in history when it comes to giving, granting clemency and pardons to people in our system. He's made that a hallmark of his administration, and I think a lot of people on both sides of the aisle uh, have applauded him for that. So Mike Parson is my pick for the winner of 2023. He's not your pick. No, well, he's a Republican, and he is the face of the extremist movement that's going on in Jefferson City. Mind you, he may be one of the more rational people inside the Republican Party. Uh, he has put somewhat of a throttle on some of their extremist stuff, 
Uh, but at the end of the day, that's his team. Uh, you can't help but admire the governor, the, where he came from, being a sheriff. He never anticipated that he'd be the governor of the state of Missouri. He rose up in a unique spot. So I'm grateful that uh, he is our governor, but I don't much care for his policies. Well, and a big issue, especially in the city of St. Louis and Kansas City, too, has been gun control. And he's really not gone any way in your direction on that, right? He's holding firm. And I wonder if that keeps him off your... Well, hey, but potentially there's so many reasons, the abortion issue, the transgender issue, the uh, guns issue. There's just so many places that the Republicans are wrong. I think that the governor may be the one person on the Republican side who understands the consequences of what guns mean to the state of Missouri, but it would be political suicide for him to speak the truth to his own party. Can Democrats get on board with Mike? Has it been good for Democrats, even though maybe not on their... Well, issues. look at the economic development, the, the commitment to workforce development, job training skills, that's all been very good. We're making I-70 safe to diverse across the state, $2 billion investment widening that highway. There's a lot here that benefits all of Missouri. Michael's political loser of the year is not a politician, but a group of people he feels have suffered great loss under Missouri's Republican leadership. Missouri women... Abortion remains illegal in the state. Republicans want to keep it that way, even proposing bills to allow women to face homicide charges for having abortions and rigging ballot language to encourage no votes should voters get to decide whether to legalize abortion in 2024. Republicans sort of slow walking that to maybe keep it off the ballot in uh, November, Michael. Well, and not only Republicans, but there's dysfunction on the left in terms of being able to come up with the language to put it to the vote. I'm confident that if abortion legalization got to the ballot in the state of Missouri, it would pass. Women in this state are being targeted by Republicans. Now, you can argue, oh, well, we need to have some compromises, et cetera. But once Roe versus Wade was overturned, Missouri was the first state to put in to law one of the most draconian laws ever, no abortion, even in cases of rape and incest. Now, you couple that with the fact that John has always said, hey, we need to moderate and find a way for compromise on this issue. The Republicans are coming up with even more extremist language to go after women and their health care. I think women were the big losers in the state of Missouri. I hope they won't be in 2024, but all signs don't look good. Are women losing, given the current political, political climate in Missouri? No. Uh, we had gotten to a place in Missouri where there were very few, if any, abortions taking place. And this was under Roe v. Wade, under the guidance of Roe v. Wade. Uh, Missouri had done a good job of regulating those facilities, ensuring that if there were abortions, they were going to be under the strictest of, le of medical guidelines, as safest for the women involved. And the net result of all of that was there were very few, if any, abortions in the state. Uh, and, and I think if, if we got to a place right now where the public policy of Missouri uh, got to a place where a vast majority of people agree and that we have a very small number, if any, abortions, I think that would be a good day. I don't think there's some war on women going on out there. Do you think the abortion issue makes it to the ballot in 2024 for Missouri voters? If they get their act together, and I, you know, I agree with Michael, I'm pro-life, but I think if they put the right language out there and allowed abortion, certainly in cases of rape and incest, and in some period of time early in a pregnancy, I do think that would pass. Uh, a vote of the people, because that's where public opinion is. If that happens, could Missouri women be the big winners in your book of 2024? 
Well, it's not going to be full on allowing to do whatever they want with their own health care, but anything is better than where we're at now, so it would be a small victory. John's biggest loser of the year was also on Michael's list. It's sort of the flip side of the Gabe Gore coin. It's former St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. She resigned in May with her office mired in dysfunction, including a backlog of thousands of criminal cases with prosecutions or prosecutors not showing up for trials and violent suspects going free. Things reached a breaking point when police say a 21-year-old awaiting trial for armed robbery was speeding in downtown St. Louis and caused the crash that nearly killed a teenage girl from Tennessee. That suspect had violated conditions of his bond more than 50 times, but he was still out of jail. The girl was hit while walking with her parents and lost both of her legs in the crash. She was in St. Louis for a volleyball tournament. John, the Kim Gardner era is over. Well, let's hope. I mean, it could always come back. But, you know, the one positive thing I'll say about the Kim Gardner era is that I've heard for years people posit the idea that we're locking too many people up and that these really aren't, in many cases, really bad people. And if we, you know, were a little more lenient on criminals, uh, that that would be okay for society, that society was actually penalizing these criminals. Well, no. We now have an empirical case study of what happens in a city where you don't prosecute violent criminals and you let violent criminals walk out the door. Guess what? More violent activity occurs. And now it's no longer a theoretical. She's proven that for us. So for that, I think, Kim Gardner, and I hope that ideology doesn't return to the circuit attorney's office in St. Louis. And I hope that the idea that we prosecute violent felons and incarcerate violent criminals, I hope that pervades uh, the attitude in that office for the rest of time. She was at the top of your list too. Yeah, and I'm hopeful that we are, we've silenced this. Let's not forget, guys, it was just two years before we wound up throwing her out because she wasn't doing her job. She was being censured on 60 Minutes yeah. and being held up as a poster child of the new way of doing prosecutions in the country. Look Jeez. what it's brought us. It's brought us lawlessness. And as a result, many of the people that were elected with her, they didn't show leadership in calling for her to be resigned and for her to go. We haven't seen any cleanup of that language. So I'm hopeful that this has burned into our memories long enough, like John says, that we don't live through it again. Up next, more political winners and losers from 2023. And what about 2024? With the first Republican presidential contest in Iowa and New Hampshire, now just a few weeks away. Listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. All right, let's take the big picture look now. John's big, big political winner nationally in 2023 is House Speaker Mike Johnson. Johnson emerged after eight House Republicans sided with Democrats and ousted Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy. It took three weeks with multiple congressional Republicans failing to garner enough support to become speaker. Why Mike Johnson for you, John Hancock? Well, you think about the Speaker of the House, Andy, and it's Speaker of the House is somebody, oh yeah, I've heard of Nancy Pelosi. Oh yeah, Paul Ryan, he's the guy from Wisconsin who wants to cut the spending out there. Mike Johnson, I do politics for a living. I even work in congressional campaigns across the country for a living. I had never heard of Mike Johnson, <laughs> and uh, I, can't, I can't think of the first, this has to be one of the first times in history where somebody emerged out of true political obscurity. Uh, he wasn't even a committee chair. 
and becomes Speaker of the House, the third most powerful politician in America, and in his case, the most powerful Republican elected official in the country, how can you not say that's not a big win for good old Mike Johnson? We all know who he is now. So it's less to do with policy and more coming out of nowhere. Coming out of nowhere. I mean, shoot, Michael Kelly could have been picked as the Speaker of the House, and, uh, and it would have been about the same amount of awareness by the people out there. You're probably not going to call Mike Johnson a political winner, but looking at it from that aspect. Yeah. He's a winner in the sense that when he was going to the bathroom, somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, are you interested in being speaker? Because that's where it got with the Republican Party. Look, we need to all be paying attention. What's happening with the Republican Party and Michael Johnson's situation is the perfect example of it. There's a reorganization of this Republican Party going on right now, and the conspiracy theorists and the, the kooks, from my perspective, are winning. And I think that's who Michael Johnson winds up being the face of. I hope that's not the case. We've got the same reorganization inside my party going. Fortunately, though, we've had better leadership at the top. We'll wait and see if this guy's able to bring legislation across the line. Right now, he just showed up. Michael's national winner is a Republican. Presidential candidate Nikki Haley. She has emerged from the four GOP debates as perhaps the top alternative to former President Trump, who skipped the debates and remains a front runner by a large, large margin. Why Nikki Haley, Michael? Well, there's no doubt about it that there's some type of fever uh, going on inside the Republican Party. It's been going on for five or six years, this whole Trump thing. I'm hopeful that we're about a year away from Donald Trump, hopefully being a distant memory in terms of being the head of the Republican Party. I think Nikki Haley, who I disagree with on most policies, has found a way to position herself as a rational person uh, that can lead the opposition. Uh, I don't think it will uh, benefit her in this upcoming cycle, but I think it's positioned her nicely against a bunch of boys who had all the money. The woman's the one who's coming through and showing leadership. Now, you like Haley, too, but let's look at her chances in 2024. And let's look at all the, I mean, we've got a lot of big races. Missouri governor, right? president of the United yep. States, Missouri Senate yep. with uh, Josh Hawley and Lucas Kuntz, and Wesley Bell taking on Cori Bush for St. Louis 1st Congressional District. Any surprises, or what do you see happening in those? Well, um, I, you know, the, the, I'll tell you the most interesting statewide race, perhaps, is going to be the race for attorney general uh, between Andrew Bailey, the incumbent, and Will Scharf, the challenger, who's extremely well-funded. And those two, there may be more money spent on the attorney general's race in Missouri in the primary than on the U.S. Senate race or the governor's race in this state in the primary. That would be unprecedented, but that could very well happen this year. But a Democrat has no chance in Zero. that race. Zero. Any of those races jump out at you? What about Wesley Bell and Cory Bush? Well, absolutely. I mean, Cory Bush is facing a challenge uh, from Wesley Bell, who has good name identification all across St. Louis County. Of course, he had been the Senate campaign, kind of invisible in that campaign, really hasn't gotten started against Cory Bush. But he's well positioned simply because there's a lot of folks who don't like Cori Bush because she's been the leading of the opposition to much of Joe Biden's agenda, whether it be the support of Israel, the transportation bill, the infrastructure bill, uh, the bill that would have funded Boeing. All of these things happened under Cori Bush's watch. So Wesley Bell should be walking in with a base of constituency that will be supportive of him. But it's awfully hard to take out an incumbent. And you think it's not going to be Joe Biden as the presidential nominee for the Democrats? I've said it. <clears throat> I've been saying it for weeks, Andy. I, if you look at Biden's numbers, you look at his performance head-to-head -head against Donald Trump in the battleground states, if you look objectively at his manner 
uh, and the clear effect age is having on him. Uh, I just think the Democrats, and they've got time here, where the Republicans start in Iowa and New Hampshire, the Democrats don't start until South Carolina in March. They've got time to make a change. I believe they're going to make a change. I could be wrong. I was wrong. I think it was 1987. But uh, they, could, they could make a change uh, between now and then, and I predict they're going to do that. So we'll see. Well, let me tell you what I think and what I know. I think Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. I agree with John. There may be some questions out there, et cetera. But, boy, it sure seems like this is a train that's going to be running all the way to the White House. So I think he will be the nominee, regardless if he's the nominee or not. Both of those candidates, either Joe Biden or uh, Gavin Newsom, would be great. Here's what I know. A Democrat will win the election for president of the United States because the Republicans are coming with Donald Trump, and he's too distasteful for most Americans. I'm not sure. Both of you guys think Trump is the nominee. Yeah. I don't think it's Trump-Biden at all, but what do I know? All right. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly. Holy cow, it's already been a year since we rang in 2023. Time for our 24 New Year's resolution. Hancock and Kelly go for each other. Time for our New Year's resolutions. Now, both Michael and John, give me a resolution not for yourselves. Well, you can if you want, but make one for the other guy. Who wants to go first? I will, I will. In 2024, I hope this is the last year that my good friend John Hancock has to mention the name Donald Trump. I'm hopeful that when 2024 comes to an end, we will be completely done with Donald Trump, and the only time he's ever having to use the word Trump is when he and I are playing poker and he wants to know what the Trump card is. Anything for you? Well, you don't have a Trump card in poker. <laughs> you have a Trump card in Pinochle. Uh, speaking of interesting games... My resolution for my pal Michael Kelly is that his snooker game sees the same just extreme trajectory of growth that it saw in 2023. He, he started out in 2023, and it was, uh, well, it was painful to watch, Andy. Uh, and he ended the year very competitive against me. I'm aging, and I predict <laughs> by the end of 2024, Michael Kelly will be the predominant snooker player at this, at this table. How about that? For people who don't know, snooker is a billiards game, right? It's a great game. He's a big fan. You would have never heard of it no. but for him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it speaks volumes that these two guys leave this show and go play snooker most Sundays. Yep, that's exactly you? what we do. They don't agree on politics, but they agree on snooker. Lining up that cue, baby. <laughs> for a guy who's wrong on everything, he's not a bad dude. <laughs> Final thoughts are next. First, we're a little more than 15 hours from 2024. How do Hancock and Kelly celebrate the new year? How do you guys celebrate New Year's Eve? You can have a final thought, but I was going to ask that. Well, I think my uh, New Year's Eve will be celebrated with Dick Clark or whatever version is uh, in New York when the ball drops, and uh, that's pretty much it. I'll try to be asleep by midnight. We always bang pots and pans. 
when I was a kid, and then I made my kids do it. Now I probably won't have a kid in the house this New Year's Eve. Oh, isn't that sad? Well, I won't, I won't have a kid in the house myself. either. It'll be me and the dog at Christmas Eve, uh, and the dog will be eating. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, but I, I can't even remember what day it is, Andy. Uh, yeah, it'll be me and the dog, but I used to love, the. we'd get the, the family together. My wife is a pyrotechnic maniac, <laughs> and she would uh, shoot off illegal fireworks into the sky of Chesterfield, Missouri, and we never got arrested, and we quit. We quit the tradition. But we used to ring in, literally ring in the new year. Pretty nice. I'm glad she's not here to hear this. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> she was a knock on the you door. You might be getting wrong. She was in. a preferred pyro at one time. <laughs> preferred pyro. Well, thanks for watching this special edition of Hancock and Kelly, and thanks for being with us throughout 2023. We wish you a wonderful 2024, and remember. If it's Sunday in St. Louis, it's Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2. Happy New Year!